for you today, my friend. You have an idea. Well, what a coincidence. One on Ideas Podcast. All right, go. What yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not sure if you're a big fan or how involved you are in video games. Love them. Love them. Yes. Keep going. I'm interested already. Yeah. So what I want to do is imagine you're playing a video game, right? You're on the couch. It's maybe a Friday night. You're, you're getting into a game. You're on the, you know, whatever console or computer or whatever your, you know, choice is. And you're getting really hungry and, you know, you plan to order some food or whatever, but you don't want to get up. You don't want to get out of your game, right? So you don't need to with this solution because what you do is you just take your character in the game, your avatar that you're playing as in the video game, and you go up to the wall. There's an Uber Eats logo in the wall and you just scan it and then in the game pops up a screen for Uber Eats delivery and you just order it with your character and then boom, makes an actual order to your address and then the Uber comes and then you order it. So I, I want to do that for basically any given online store or e-commerce. You've hit on a massive trend. I've I've been hearing about this as well. So it's it's in-game commerce, and it's a huge idea. I've yeah, I've been I've been listening, to, and it's something like you know if you're thinking about social, if you think about all these other mediums, you know none of them are going to matter. The in-game commerce is going to be huge because the market itself is absolutely growing in terms of the number of video game players, and obviously the technology is getting better to allow this kind of almost dynamic insertion within the various games. I'll let you go more because we'll probably talk more about, you know, how it would actually work. Yeah, I love that. I love that you're just immediately into it, into the into the stats and stuff, which I've, uh, you know, I've got some idea of. And, and Rodney's just typed bang straight into the chat, billion dollar idea, full stop. So that's some good uh, Do you know, good, I, I reckon this is more than billion. This mm. is, you know, approaching trillion, I reckon. This, this is a huge opportunity. Yeah. So I think, you know, it could be used for, you know, anything. It's not just Uber Eats. That's just like the little story I was just telling but it could be anything really. So my main idea, I was like, I want to do, I want to start like the advertising company. Like I, I'm the company or this business is the company that is putting brands in video games. So that's that's the idea for the for this week, right? And just imagine if, you know, just to, to talk to the story more, imagine if like, like a big company like Blizzard or Fortnite or something, uh, these big gaming companies just like did an integration with Amazon or something. Like it would just be just ridiculous and you could order anything off of Amazon in game. I think it's just a mass, massive, massive um, opportunity. But then also for, you know, more niche brands. And if you want to, you know, Coca-Cola, get Coca-Cola's logos in in there and so forth, we'd provide that sort of service. Is that is that your example of a niche brand, Coca-Cola? Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> it's more niche than Amazon. <laughs> so this is actually, there's an emerging trend, right, for shopping. And it's not in-game commerce as well, but they're calling it, I'm, I'm sure you've seen it, it's like e-commerce, right? And so they're saying all e-commerce stores, even online, are, are going to be developed into e-commerce. Right, even if it's just a store that sells clothes, for example. And I want to share my screen for you, Dan, and show you a video. What, you may have seen you, it. Well, before you do, what, what's the eyes? That interactive? Yeah, I believe so. That's kind of describing where the video you can interact with the video. So if somebody is driving down the street in a car, you can click on the car and you can effectively buy the car. Probably a bad example, but buy the car within the ad without leaving the ad itself. Yes, exactly. So you're interacting with the business. It's going to be a new whole marketplace that is emerging. Blown away when I saw it. I, and I know the the media companies here in Australia have gone into this pretty hard as well, because you're right, it's a huge opportunity. And for them, the idea is that they don't want people to leave their site because obviously clicking on a site to go to say Amazon or another retail store, that takes the visitor away from their site. So it's whatever you can do to keep the, the watcher or the viewer within that video. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so Dan, I'm just going to share a video real quick just to to show you what this e-commerce thing. So this is done by this like uh, company. I think it's Macy's doing this. 
it's basically their e-commerce, like their online store. And what they do is they allow the online store to have like this interactive character that is the store. So you're running around in this like environment that is the actual store and it looks like a role-playing game. So for everyone at home that's listening, we're watching us basically what looks like a, a role-playing game video character running around in this sort of gaming universe. But what they're doing is they're looking at a a giant piece of clothing and then assessing whether they like it or not, like a digital piece of clothing. And then they click it and then inside the game comes up the e-commerce store on the right-hand side. So it allows them to actually purchase the clothing in store and then add to bag. So what what are your thoughts on that video, Dan? Yeah, I think this takes it to another level. I mean, I've seen videos where it's, you know, just think about say a 30-second video ad, which is uh, an ad for clothing using this example and the the actors in the ad are going about their day doing the various things and there are certain things within that video that are clickable so the clothing that they're wearing it could be the top the pants the shoes whatever could even be background items that you know if they're sitting on a chair or they're sitting at a table setting and so there's things within the ad that are clickable this example is a little bit further where they've basically built a 3d environment and so you go in there as an avatar So that character that you're controlling and you're walking around and you're basically in the setting of a city. Um, And I imagine in in those examples that you can probably then almost walk into the store. It's it's almost a virtual store experience. I reckon this this takes it a little bit further. And I think that's going to happen. It's almost a spectrum of how far you can integrate and how interactive it can become. But it's pretty cool. And this is almost the metaverse type concept where you can walk around a city and you can virtually walk into real stores in a virtual setting. And so, you know, if you had a replica of, say, New York City, you're walking around the streets, you can walk into the store, and then you can go through and you can click items and you can buy items. And Yeah. It's not just the in-game content. It's like you're ordering outside like real-life content, right? So, you can almost like in that video, that Macy's video, it's a, it's a digital fashion. So, it's a digital replica of a real coat. And then, so what they're saying with digital fashion, I've been looking into this a little bit, with digital fashion, they have like these, the character in the game moves like an actual human. So, then you can go and look at what the fake human in the game looks like with the wind and with the environment and it moves like on a certain body shape, right? So then you're looking at it from like a 3D perspective as opposed to online e-commerce where it's all mostly like 2D, those photos or whatever. Just so much opportunity um, and just for the interest of time, I'm just going to push on. What I'm doing is I'm doing this advertising business idea for in top tier video games. So, you know, your World of Warcraft, which is like, you know, the most popular game in the, in the world, you know, Call of Duty, Fortnite, these really popular games. These would be the ideal candidates for this. And so what we do is we basically help business owners who have brands, you know, get a, a more effective channel to reach their target audience, right? Which is basically the value proposition of advertising. And, but, you know, younger consumers and, you know, particularly this industry, you know, are, can be hard to reach, I'd say, uh, from general perspective. The whole advertising model is build an audience and then monetize that audience through ads. And this is not an untapped audience, the gaming audience, but it is a huge audience that the full potential hasn't been realized yet. 100%, 100%. And, and I can talk to the size of it. So by 2022, there were 2.8 billion gamers worldwide. And, you know, that's just millions of active players each month on all these games. And in terms of e-commerce shoppers, so what I want to do is I'm just talking about the the amount of people that are going to buy, you know, in these games. So there was $6.4 trillion of e-commerce shopping done in 2023 to 2024, they're estimating. So what are we doing here? What what are we helping the customer with? We're we're just, it's just convenience is, is how I can see it, you know, helping the consumer, you know, easily buy things that they would, you know, have trouble with buying. Otherwise, the interactive experience makes it, uh, you know, more enjoyable and more convenient that I have to open multiple tabs and, you know, things are getting better. And 
Uh, this stems another idea actually where imagine if your entire job was able to be done through playing a video game like i could build an excel spreadsheet and, and enter data through playing a video game with like an avatar that's sort of my holy grail that i started with and then because i just i can't work it out though if someone knows how to work this out i'd love to talk because something i really want to do but i just i cannot work it out i'm just going to keep pushing on here dan so in terms of consumer appeal yeah i don't want to just continue on that it's sort of for games like world of warcraft it is not uncommon for people to spend you know 20 30 hours a week playing these really deep interactive games it's a captivated audience i um, mean that's just not in those games but role-playing games that category in general i think are quite common with that and on average in the united states it's estimated that uh, the average gamer plays for seven hours a week which if i'm honest and i've played a bit of um you know video games in my time especially in my formative days i'd say that's a low average i don't think i feel like it's definitely higher seven hours i think it's definitely higher so yeah, the, the people will be engaged by the ads within the content and then the interactive element of it just adds that extra sort of engagement and there'll be a bit of a, a hype at the start with it as soon as this sort of takes off as well. I think in terms of actually doing this, definitely viable. The hardest part will be that technology integration and you need to integrate with the big partners and that's the hardest part, forming those relationships if you don't have them or you know, actually getting the technological side to to work without causing mass game problems as well in games, which can be a big deal as well. If you're not a gamer, I'll, I'll let you know that if you play these big games, there's like regular updates. So it's like, you know, every month or two weeks or whatever, they do a big update and no one can play for like a certain amount of time. And I've had some friends that are pretty heavy gamers and they get literally physically angry or like it's like they're emotionally charged about this. So when there's like a pause or a problem with the game, you know, it's frustrating and, you know, it takes away their sort of, their, it's their whole life. It's their whole life, right? So the technical side would have to be integrated seamlessly and I don't think there could be any interruptions for it. So I think it's just really important to call out. Yeah, I think that pretty much covers the whole concepts and I've, I've covered the key things. There are some ethical considerations, obviously, you know, for kids and that sort of thing, if children are in it as well, and, you know, you have to make sure that we're not, you know, advertising with the wrong things, the wrong children or, you know, breaking GDPR laws or anything like that, especially in Europe and the UK. And yeah, I think that's why they haven't been put in video games yet already, actually, probably just for that for that reason, the ethical reasons. There's a lot around advertising in games and buying loot boxes and things like that because of the consideration, because it's it's a form of gambling. And that's kind of how it's it's thought of. I'll just sum up very quickly and then I'll move on to, to my idea. But I think the technical integration is going to have to be done at the developer level. So not only the company, so you mentioned Blizzard before, but then within every game as well. So I think you're right. The idea here, I don't think necessarily is the creation of the technology that goes into the game. That technology already exists. That's the assumption. And we're creating an advertising agency that specializes in this channel of e-commerce or in-game commerce. Is is that right? That's the idea? Beautiful. Nailed it. Yeah. All right. I'm going to move on to my idea. It's going a little bit different. I'm going to do something. It's called Bleasure. Have you heard of Bleasure before? What comes to mind? That's Bleasure no. with a B at the start. Oh, Bleasure. I haven't. Right. So what this is... Is mixing business and leisure to work Ooh, remotely from holiday worthy destinations. You don't, you don't mix business and leisure. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you do. You do. So this is a big trend. It's only a recent trend. Last year, so 2022 into 23, particularly among Gen Z and millennials. Now, I just want to clarify as well. So we're not talking about working holidays. So this is people going overseas to travel, but they have to work. So they've got some kind of income to support that extended trip. You know, typically it's after uni, 18 to 30 year olds. And there's already a number of agencies across the world that help with that. We're also not talking about people who work in, say, multinational companies who are then sent to another city or another country to work there because obviously a company takes care of, of that relocation and, and setting them up. 
So I found two different definitions of, of pleasure. One is what people do when they go on a business trip and then they extend that for, for leisure. So it might be that they work or they go to a conference from Monday to Friday and then they stay on for the weekend and they have their family meet them there. So that's one. But the other, which is what I want to focus on, is where people already have a job, so a full-time job or they're a solopreneur or they're, they're kind of a, a digital nomad. They voluntarily choose to work remotely from another country for a short or an extended period of time. So it might be two months or or six months, or it could be six months every year, you know, do what birds do and, and migrate to the, the warmer weather every six months. So it, it's basically like the remote and flexible working to the extreme. There's agencies who cater for working holidays and corporate travel takes care of that, that business relocation. But what I think there is, is this opportunity to package up products and services specifically for this pleasure market. So you could set yourself up as a travel agency, you could organize the flights, the accommodation, the insurance. But I think the easier option for that part of it, so the actual logistics of getting there, is probably just to white label or outsource that part. But think about people spending an extended time in a different country. So even if you've been there before, you probably don't have much of a grasp of the business space there. So I think the opportunity is is really helping them live their business life while they're there. So this would be things like organizing a co-working space or an office or some kind of membership for them to be able to go to these places, providing options around health and wellness. So it could be connecting them with yoga instructors or spa memberships, connecting with other like-minded people. So that could be either from the same company or a similar industry. So being able to connect with other people while you're there. And obviously, if you have an existing job in your country, you're going to continue doing work with people and for people in that country. But I still think there's an opportunity to connect. If you're moving, to, let's say you're moving to Bali, connect people with a local network of, say, business mentors, advisors. It could be in specific niches, so legal. It could be marketing, you know, whatever it might be. And because some people might prefer to deal with people locally, you know, you can meet them in person. It might just be easier. And then so as building on that is then also offering you know, cultural and language training before they go. And that could just be a series of online courses or that kind of thing. But so even though, again, they're not doing business with the locals, but if you're living there, you probably want to get a bit of a grasp on on the culture and the language. So you want to build a leisure, business leisure community for 18 to 30-year-olds traveling overseas, you know, for business and leisure. It makes sense. Well, yes and no. So I, I think it's the age. I don't think age is, is important here. And that's the 18 to 30 is typically that working holiday, which is what I said before. So this isn't that. This is people of any age who just decide, hey, for the next two months, I want to go work in Bali. I can do my job remotely anyway. Why don't I do it from Bali? You know, And from where we are in Australia, the time difference isn't too bad. I'm going to do my work from eight till four, and I'm going to do it by the beach. And when I finish, I'm going to have a cocktail. That's yep. that's kind of the concept. Sure. And I think the, the longer term opportunity might be. So it, you know, initially, this is probably setting up a, a, a network of places. And so you're really just becoming a, a referral agency. But maybe the longer term place is to actually build co-working spaces and run co-working spaces in various countries. And then you're actually building up your physical network. But for now, it's just referring to these third parties that already exist. Yeah. So uh, I just want to yeah, throw in, it sounds like a bit of a private sort of club or or some sort of network or something. Like in, in London and the UK, there's a lot of these private like clubs, like Soho House and, and other things like that. So I definitely think there's some viability there already, that sort of traction uh, in the market. Yeah. And like, just on the market side, this blew my mind a bit. So in Australia this year, there's 2.7 million people planning to work remotely abroad, which is double from 2022. And the under 40 markets about makes up about 68% of that. So it is going to be the younger market predominantly. And that's probably because of the life stage and you know family situations and things like that. 
But 2.7 million out of a population of 26, that's huge. And across the globe, 60% of Latin American travelers and about 50 to 60% of most Asian travelers intend to work during their next trip. So this is a huge market. It's worth 315 billion right now, but in about 10 years time, by 2032, it'll be worth $731 billion. This is the pleasure market specifically. Like it's a huge market. And then, yeah, so I think from a feasibility standpoint, like I said before, it's really a referral business. So I don't think it would be that hard to set up. You're not you're not having to set up all the travel aspects per se. Really, all you're doing is you're helping coordinate people's booking in a different country. So you're setting them up with, yeah, the co-working spaces, you know, any language training, connections with um, networks and, and other communities um, in those places. And so I think as a starting point, you know, you'd start with one or two countries. You'd set this up as an online agency because I think that's obviously going to be the way that you can scale it. People select the package, minimal interaction. I think there was a, as a minimum viable product. So as a starting point, you'd probably have a relatively static website and you do all the backend work manually. So you'd actually ring these places, do the bookings, you know, do it via email. Cause I think the target market is more likely want to book online anyway. How, how much do you charge for this? Uh, good question. And not sure. I think you'd probably just put a margin on top of whatever the total cost is. And so if you're adding up all these different services, let's say the package is a thousand dollars for all these things, it might be that you charge thirteen hundred. So you, you want to take a clip of ticket. I can set this up for London pretty easily, I reckon. Like, do it, man. Do it. That's just why I, I think, think I think this is a pretty MVP. it's a relatively simple setup. Obviously, there are some risks. You know, the customers are putting their travel and their kind of next three months or whatever into your hands. So like any travel agency, you want to make sure that you're doing the right thing. And I'm not sure if you need to be a registered travel agent, at least here in Australia. I'm pretty sure you don't need to be to do this model, but having that would add the credibility. And then on a financial standpoint, you've already touched on it. I think it's a referral fee. You, you have to go through the the actual P&L, but the profit and loss. But I think you, given that it's an online business, given you don't own any of the assets, it's just a referral business, I think this would be pretty cash flow positive from day one. You know, Obviously, you need some customer support and things like that, but I think this is a winner. And you know, you've already said you could build it pretty quickly, but mm. I reckon this this is one that uh, maybe this is one that we should try as well, Patrick. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, definitely traction. I've seen some things around this space. I think this space is quite hot at the moment. I'll say that. There's definitely... I follow a couple on uh, Instagram as well of these more sort of... They're more, you know, join our network and, you know, drive fast cars and, you know, go to the go to the beach and go to the beach clubs and, you know, doing this sort of thing. I'm um, not that I'm into it. I was just curious because I got advertised it, right? And you follow things to sort of you know, learn more. But yeah, I definitely, um, it's very popular this side of the world. I'll say that. It's definitely like private clubs and networks and buying the package and doing the whole experience like that, that thing. Like, because there's more, it, there's much more, I'd say compared to Adelaide and Australia, I think. There's much more status taken a lot more seriously here. There's a bit of a class system here. Sorry, excuse me. There's a bit, there's a bit of a class system here. Uh, so yeah, I think that type of thing. Um, you know, if you add in that exclusivity element, I think you know makes it more valuable as well to what you're talking about. Otherwise, you know, you're sort of just pumping out these sort of travel agent sort of experiences. You know, to anyone may not be as sort of. I don't think it's a mass market product. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, well, I mean, based on the numbers, I reckon. I reckon it is 2.7 million. That's a pretty mass market. That's just Australia. But you're right. You know, you, you can look at different models. Whether you make it exclusive, whether you have it open. But there you have it. The pleasure agency. I think it's an idea. It's 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 a hot trend, you know, out of the words of Patrick himself. Um, and I reckon that's the pod. See you later, Ben.